You are here tonight because you love Jesus. And you want to alleviate suffering in his world. We live in a world with lots of it. Lots of pain, lots of inequity, lots of conflict, lots of uncertainty. There's so much to do. And we are so few. The Turkana woman that is on the screen before you, I think, illustrates for each one of us the great opportunity and challenge and hope. Isn't she beautiful? Her expression is bright. Her beads are colorful. She looks gorgeous. Her outlook positive. But we all know that beauty isn't everything. And perhaps what you don't know is that while those beads look gorgeous on her, and I would like some myself, they also have the potential in her people group to mark her. To mark her as a woman from childhood, a girl strangulating her, making her a marked girl that wouldn't go to school, that would serve anyone at, that beckoned her, including hard work and sex. That marking meant that she could serve anyone, anytime. She may be the one who was asked to carry all the water, to perform all the functions that normally would be shared in a community. So it's right for us to ask tonight, what, what will enable her to get out of that pit? How can we alleviate her suffering and millions and millions of others like her? Children? Girls, women, boys, and men. They may not wear the beads, but they are trapped in poverty and pain and prejudice. What will sustain them in that pain? What will enable them to climb out of that pit and grow to their full expression of God's image in them? the image we sang about? What grace is ours, the body of Christ, to offer such a painful world? Well, that's why you've come. That's what this weekend is all about. A couple weekends ago, there was another meeting, actually much larger than this, in New York City. And on the 25th of September, the United Nations General Assembly and 193 member states ratified the Sustainable Development Goals for the world. There are 17 of them. It's quite a tall order. And among them is end poverty in all forms, 
everywhere. Yeah, quite a tall task. And hunger. Promote well-being for all at all ages. Reduce inequality. Promote peaceful societies. And it goes on. Goal number 17 sums them all up. Strengthen global partnerships. Accompanying those 17 goals for 193 nations are 169 targets. The 17 goals attempt to set the global agenda until 2030, building on the Millennial Development Goals that were very largely acclaimed and did a lot of progress in our world in the last 15. These 17 goals are around particular themes, peace, people, the planet, prosperity and partnership. Lots to accomplish in 15 years. Are you ready? Lots and lots at stake. Policy, budgets, health care, security. We could go on and on. But for us, the question remains, and for all of those member states, what does sustainable development and well-being really mean. Among all those themes, starting with the P hashed out by all those global experts, people, peace, planet, prosperity, partnership, they're good. They're ambitious. They're worthy. But there's one that's missing. The presence of God. He's not absent. In fact, he controls it all, whether we acknowledge him or not. The wonder is that he's inviting us, you and me, to participate with him, to partner with him, to restore this broken world. This weekend... As you explore the answers through four plenary sessions, multiple, multiple choices in seven breakout sessions, looking at health and healing from many perspectives, I would like to introduce to you and suggest one, not 17, one, not 169 indicators, one primary pathway one indicator sacrifice Mary is an HIV positive woman whose home I went to visit along with her pastor in southern Mozambique I was shocked with what I found just a simple home with very little furnishings two rooms she took me into the back room, and Mary, HIV positive and not that well herself, introduced me to her husband, who was in bed, dying of AIDS. 
I realized soon in the shadows of that one room that there was someone else, someone else in a bed next to him, a woman, and someone next to her, an infant. Who are they? I asked Mary. This is my husband, and this is his mistress, and this is their baby. All of them were struggling to live. I asked Mary, how do you do it? When we were outside of the room again, in front of her pastor, how do you do it? It's very possible you got HIV from your husband. And now he, his mistress, and their infant are dying. And you're the one caring for them. I think I would have so much bitterness. I think I would at least move away. I don't think I could bear to see the evidence of all that pain, that deep, physical, emotional, spiritual pain. And her answer was piercing. She said, because Jesus loves me, I can love them. Philippians 1, 29 reads, It is granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. You know, I struggle with that. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I don't like suffering. And I struggle with the wording of that phrase. It begins, it is granted to you. That makes it sound like, like it's not an invitation or even a must-do. It sounds like, like it's a privilege. That it's meant to be a privilege. It's granted to you for the sake of Christ. You should not only believe in him but also suffer for his sake. In other words, if you love Jesus, and you just told me you do, then you're granted. You are granted that privilege of suffering with him in the pathway that he's already secured, already accomplished, justice, reconciliation, hope, and beauty. Yes, undefiled, unadulterated, unfading, unbreaking beauty. You see, there was one who was marked for life, not with beads, but with stripes. And nails. Because of those marks, 
the ones Christ bore for you, you will never be strangulated with a false, unsustaining beauty. The beauty that you have is a complete reconciliation with God, yourself, and your world. Because of his sacrifice, the presence of God in our lives gives us that sustaining hope and grace, just like he did to Mary. It gives us the wonder, the wonder of the privilege for suffering for his sake, for his world, for his people, to discover where they are and to find where you belong in this journey of global reconciliation and well-being. None of us can do without that overarching P, that presence of God. He is our hope. His word is our strength and guide. His spirit will make possible the impossible. He will be the transforming presence that does bring sustainable change. About 41 years ago, as a relatively new graduate nurse, my husband and I went to Eritrea. We had lots of plans. We weren't sure if missions was for us. We sang what we sang tonight. I will follow you. Lord, wherever. I will follow you wherever. And we thought, at least for one year, that meant Eritrea. We would test the waters. We would seek to understand if this was something God was leading us into for a longer period of time. We said, we will follow. I reflected on that deeply the day that the helicopter came back. Oh, but I haven't told you yet. The helicopter was for rescue. For three weeks, I had been held hostage, taken in the middle of a Monday morning in a busy African hospital where cholera was rampant, and normally all the sounds of a Monday morning include chickens fluttering through the hallways and, and babies screaming and, and sick people moaning, and with thermometers in my hand, having just come from the supply room, I went out into the hallway and found a masked man with a pistol drawn. He pulled me out the door, and outside was another nurse, Anna. Don't be afraid, Debbie, Anna said. Anna, I am afraid. I am afraid, as together we faced more men, machine guns, rifles, and the uncertainty of what was going to happen next. The men beat us with sticks, 
and forced us to run behind the hospital with everyone, their jaws dropped. And people wondering what was happening. How could a hospital serving the people in the middle of cholera be treated this way? Anna's shoes fell off. Her feet were bleeding. She slowed down. The men ripped us apart from each other in our run together, pushed me ahead. I heard a shot and turned to see her fall. They didn't give me the choice. I just prepared myself. I wanted to fall too. But they beat me and forced me on. Two hours later, a helicopter found me. Wow. The United States government has come to rescue me. I'm going to be free. It's okay. The helicopter pilot looked trim and, and well-shaven and healthy. And little did I realize that he was involved in a masterful plot. He himself was taken hostage, and the helicopter, and me, and my unborn baby boy. That began 26 unparalleled days in our lives. I had been promised as soon as the helicopter returns, you'll go back. Oh yeah, I know my husband will pay. I know, I know I'm worth something. I know, I know I'll get out. And so one day, the helicopter did return in this, from this remote village near the Sudan border where I was kept. Nobody around but soldiers. As the blade stopped spinning and the door opened, I rushed to get in, praising God for my deliverance. And the helicopter door slammed shut without me inside. And a soldier emerged and said, you're not going, Debbie. Not going? Oh, but, but you promised, I said. You promised as soon as the helicopter came back and there's no other way out. You promised. I pulled at their shirts. And that great, massive bird just lifted off, leaving me. I didn't think it was a privilege. I didn't think that God cared. I thought maybe... Maybe it all doesn't really make sense. Maybe he doesn't know me. Maybe I'll be here by myself, deliver my baby by myself. Maybe I'll die here. It was a long time on that windswept hill before I could look up. I was bitter. And I noticed that not far away was a woman. 
I'd never seen her before. She had a very weathered face, a faded red covering on her hair. And slowly she started to walk toward me. I walked toward her. She held out her hand, that weathered hand that had dug so many gardens, herded so many goats, probably had many children, most of whom had died. And she took mine and pulled me toward her small hut, a simple wooden frame of sticks with grass mats thrown over top, a tigray. Muslim woman. Inside, there was nothing. Nothing but a stone that she plopped me down on. And then, she stirred the coals and put on the teapot. Later that night, surrounded once again by the soldiers, I thought about her. Who was she? Why was she there? Where did she come from? The presence of God. In his people, in his way, through an angel, I don't know. I don't know. I just know that at my deepest need and sense of abandonment, God met me. In the pit of suffering, Jesus is there. For it's been granted to you Paul says, for the sake of Christ, for the sake of Christ, for the victory already won, that you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Fellow global partnering pilgrims attending this missions health conference Go, go, find where you belong, because it's already been granted to you. Some years later, I returned to that hospital. It was now just a burnt out shell. I went through the surgical suite where even the steel surgical bed was twisted and gnarled. Bombs had dropped. No one was there. But I had to go. I had to go back. And with me was my husband and my daughter, now 18 years old, on her way to college. We left Kenya and went through Eritrea. Her name was Hannah, my daughter, named after Anna, 
the nurse that was killed. We made our way through the hospital, the twisted steel and broken windows, and in the courtyard, with all the brambles and weeds, was Anna's grave. My son, Jesse, 16 at that time, went to work tearing out the brambles and weeds and identifying where her grave was. A simple headstone was there. It was the first I'd seen it. And beyond it, I saw exactly where we had been together. That dry, empty riverbed where the men beat us with sticks, where the men shot and killed Anna. And as I stared at her grave, weeping, I read what was inscribed, Revelation 2.20, Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Hannah came up to me, pulled her arms around me, and said, Mom, Anna has been celebrating, rejoicing with Jesus for 25 years. Take that crown. Consider those clouds of witnesses and go. Run. Consider what has been granted you as you believe in the one who bore those marks for you and this world and find the place God has for you. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, not one of us are worthy. We don't really bear any marks. The suffering that you do call us to and the suffering of this world is the suffering you took already. So enable us not to trust in our experience, our degrees, helicopters, ransom, position, place, goals. Help us to consider the one indicator that you desire to give everything back to you for the world that you give everything for. For Christ and his glory alone. Amen.